Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordic Podcast. At Evolution, we are committed to helping people and Nordic tech organizations realize their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to making doing business easier. I'm Wahid from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and today I am your host. Today, I'm joined by Matthias from Nordnet, Frida from PostNord, Lucas from Tinker, and Reza from Ericsson to discuss crafting high-performance data science teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Matthias, can you kick us off, please? Yes, thank you, Wahid, for inviting me to this podcast. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, my name is Matthias, and I work as a data science manager uh, for NodeNet. I lead uh, the insights team that compromises of data analysts and also a team of data scientists trying to drive um, change and decisions at uh, NodeNet. So that's short about me. Amazing. Thank you for that, Matthias. Frida? Yes, thank you. Also excited to be here. And I am at PostNord since two years, where I have established and now continue to develop the solution area, advanced analytics and automation within PostNord IT. And this has been my domain for my entire career, but mainly in previously in process industry, transport, logistics, and IoT. Uh, and uh, if you want the personal detail, my uh, number one sort of uh, out of work passions are beach volleyball and uh, cooking and eating good food. Amazing. Thanks for that, Frida. Lucas? Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, very happy to be here. I'm currently working for, uh, for Tinka, who is a Dutch uh, Dutch by now pay later player. Leading, well, I've been working there for two years now, uh, a bit over two years. Uh, I'm leading the data science, data engineering, data analytics team. So we have um, 12 people. Uh, yeah, happy to be here and I'm exi- excited to, to answer the questions that uh, everyone prepared for, the, for this podcast. Thanks for that, Lucas. And Riza? Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my, my name is Reza Gulami. Uh, I'm a senior data scientist um, at Ericsson, where I'm helping my team to design, uh, prototype, and eventually deploy um, AI models for uh, telecom-related use cases. Uh, I have been in data science field uh, around eight years now. Um, and before that, I was uh, working as an algorithm designer for telecom receivers. So, yeah, that's all about me. Thanks for that, Reza. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading-edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now that we've established a context to each of you, let's move on to the, uh, to the topic of focus. You, you all have a question or statement on crafting high-performance data science teams. As usual, I'll work around the room and asking each of you to pose your question and the reasoning behind it. Mafias, would you like to kick us off, please? Yes, thank you. So my question is how one approaches uh, 
how you can align a data science team's goals and projects with the broader strategic objectives of, uh, of the companies that um, one work for. And I pose this question because I think it is an important question to, to have when it comes to data science. Um, yeah, so that's the question. Well, I can start. <laughs> so I like to see this. Uh, I think it's, it's a very interesting question and uh, not an easy one to be honest. I like to see it's kind of like following the ChrisDM approach, uh, you know, even though the ChrisDM is more for the project itself rather than the the goal of the team and, and, and the alignment with the company's uh, trajectory and, uh, and objective. But I do think that uh, you should start understanding the, the business objectives, right? So you, you go and you talk with the stakeholders, you try to understand if they if they have any KPIs, for example, what they are expecting for, where they are going. Uh, and then you, you, you try to identify uh, where you can have, uh, where you can bring value from data-driven uh, insights. Okay. So how can you actually, which areas can you actually search for uh, and which areas can you support in order to, uh, in order to bring <coughs> results? Then once you have done that, of course you need to, once you have several projects and, uh, and let's say proposals, you need to start thinking about prioritization, which is never easy, right? Uh, what I have observed from different stakeholders is that some people like to use frameworks for evaluating these projects, such as Roy, Rice, uh, whatever, whatever they might have it to actually calculate the value that this will bring to the company. And once you have that in place, you calculate for all projects and then you decide which one you want to move next. And then finally, of course, implementing the project and, and working on it. In my view, it's always about, um, I like to take the approach of the lean startup uh, way. Have you, I don't know if, you, if any of you have read the book. It's quite famous, right? It's kind of like a bestseller from Eric Rice. Um, but basically, for those that, that haven't read the book, it's, he, the, the author kind of like elaborates the idea of the uh, way of working, which is build, measure, and learn, right? So you can interactively uh, build and, and sustain and actually find a better better solutions for the projects that you're working on. So yeah, in a nature, I think, don't know if I answer your question uh, completely, but that, that's usually the approach that I take uh, in my own uh, in my own role. Yeah, and I I think I agree with you quite a lot, Lucas. It's not easy, and I think it's a question that is relevant to all teams, not only data science teams. So sort of how do you align and, and the priority there? How do you also anchor priority? Because you you rarely have enough resources to do everything that you want, uh, but everyone wants to do what's most important for them. So you have to have alignment with the corporate strategy. So fortunately or unfortunately, I've mostly been working at really large enterprise scale companies and seen both good and bad practices there, I would say. And I think it's a matter of making the corporate strategy known. And once you have designed a corporate strategy, sort of that's when the work starts. And then you need to cascade it and, and make it known and make it almost like religion to everyone. Uh, and, and that is talking about it in your team meetings uh, quarterly and defining, having workshop, what does it mean for us? And and what targets should we set? Uh, OKRs are really good tools for that, for example. 
but as you said also, I think, Lucas, I think not uh, when it comes to specifically data science teams, not isolating them, but exposing them to cross-functional sort of interaction areas with stakeholders and getting feedback loops and demos and these kind of things so that they get the business perspective and not only sort of design their own reality. So that's my take on how I would like to elaborate a little bit on what you said and I think agree on most of what you said as well. So I, I can add that um, uh, it's a kind of like a mutual understanding between the data science team and the rest of the companies, like a stakeholders, business side. And since uh, data science uh, is, uh, is, is still is kind of the, uh, new in different companies, so many they, many like uh, managers, um, stakeholders, they, they don't have a uh, complete, uh, um, I don't know, a good understanding of, of the data science. And uh, so, uh, so it's, it's required a lot of communication uh, between the data science teams and the managers and the leaders to, to have a common understanding what data science basically can do, what, what uh, they should expect. And also data science team, they also need to understand the company's goals and, 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 the, and the vision and, and, the, and the product. Uh, so, so it's a kind of uh, dialogue between the data science team and, and, and the rest of the company. I would say it's a kind of continuous dialogue. Um, and one approach could be uh, quite, um, I guess, useful uh, to, uh, to improve this type of uh, dialogue and communication is that from the data science uh, team, from, from that side, we can start building, uh, I don't know, some type of um, education system. So for, for we can basically, we, we could have different types of, uh, um, um, like a workshop, um, uh, uh, hackathons, and all of these things, to basically to, to educate the rest of the companies to, to understand uh, the, the core um, essence of the, the, the data science. And, and the other side also, the data science team, they need to understand the domain knowledge of the company. So many business uh, is quite um, um, deep, so you, it's not easy to, to get the idea uh, just by looking at uh, some documents or having some uh, um, short course, for instance. So, so it's a kind of like a long-term uh, dialogue between um, and collaboration between the data science team and uh, the rest of the company. Uh, and also when it comes to the data science, I guess um, um, uh, uh, it's it's required to to have some type of uh, KPI or, or metrics to to see uh, how to um, to evaluate the, the data science uh, uh, impact on, on the company, for instance. So so to do that is required. Also, again, is we, we need a kind of collaboration between the, the stakeholder and and, uh, and and the managers and also the data science team. Um, so uh, that's, I guess, is uh, very important to uh, to have this type of uh, continuous dialogue and, and collaboration collaboration between two sides. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, is one factor that we can uh, we can uh, think about that. Uh, great answers. So uh, I I think it's very interesting what you touched on both Lucas and Frida about like organizational wise, because I believe like how one should approach this depends on um, how mature a company is when it comes to utilizing data science in their projects. Like either you can try to deliver on the strategic priorities or maybe even uh, change, like have a systemic approach to, okay, but how should we have our strategic priorities when utilizing like machine learning and data science? Um, but as like 
most projects when it comes to analytics and data science, I think um, that uh, like when it comes to the project, uh, the only thing that matters is the last mile. Like how do we, what is the actual result? Like what is the impact of, of the algorithms or findings that we do? And for for that to like have any real impact, it has to be aligned with, with the strategic priorities. Because if I have a great result in something that's not relevant for the company, it won't change anything. So uh, my idea on, on trying to align this is to uh, be kind of hard on scenario planning when planning both goals and, and projects. And when doing scenario planning, it's about you know finding what is the best outcome of a project or the goal that you're trying to achieve. And then you can early on before starting anything, try to actually like, you know, see for yourself, like, or, or imagine like, okay, what is the best impact we can do with, with data science? So I'm really trying to push, push planning early on uh, in what is the best, best thing we can do. Uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, effectively aligns uh, with the strategic priorities. But as you say, Frida, we'd like, we have to have, like, it has to be a good information regarding like the, how, how the organization pushes the information and how involved all the teams are and so on. Uh, I think there's always like a dis, like a disconnect sometimes with, okay, what is the planning from top level and investors and owners and and the grassroots people actually trying to do the thing. So, um, and as data scientists, we might have, um, or high performing data science teams can have a bigger impact on the organization. It has to be like both involved in the grassroots, but also like what is the top level. Um, priorities. Um, but yeah, please uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just get a follow-up question when you say scenario planning and say imagine the best outcome sort of this project uh, and it sort of conflicts with my inner research background because the curious, uh, curious exploration and sort of having no predefined ideas of where to end up compared to having that uh, and, and how you can become biased in trying to confirm your, your wish or your dream scenario. Have you thought about that or how to mitigate that kind of effect? Yeah, I, I, I super agree. But I, and, and the, I think it's a difference between like research projects for data scientists, where it might be a more open-ended part. And uh, when you're trying to bring value and solve problems, like, of course, they are intertwined but uh, it's still a bit of a different focus um, and I think that's uh, that comes to like this how seasoned or, or competent that scientist or, or a team is in in you know, like giving an open-ended uh, project that actually creates value uh, but yeah good question and uh, Lucas yeah no I just just to answer that I think uh, I see like Frida's point and also Matthias they're like there are kind of like two two perspectives, right? Like, should you should you kind of like have a, a loose goal and do some research and see where you where you can get at, or should you actually just focus on the results that you are you're trying to obtain and, and not really um, not really uh, lose yourself along the way, right? So let's say uh, laser focus. In my view, I think it depends a lot on on how their organization is actually approaching this and, and looking at this. So let's say it could be that they look and say, well, we have budget for doing some some research and we have budget to actually uh, spend more time because, of course, ultimately you are spending money, right? If you're, if you're allocating a, time, a, a piece of the time of your team to actually do some research. 
but ultimately it's, it's up to the organization in terms of how it's organized organizing themselves and uh, in terms of the budget they have and so on and so forth so it could be well let's just try it out let's see what we we can we can get out of this or it can be no, no let's just focus on the things that are aligned to the core of the business of the company so yeah just to my two cents to that yeah good point i would say and i think yeah, that that makes sense, uh, and uh, rarely many. I don't think many of the problems that we have in a corporate setting are research problems. But it, it just it just sort of stood out to me uh, from from that background. But um, yeah, I think we should have clear goals, as you say. Many in many projects, you have a goal that you want to reach, and it's very not often rocket science. So usually you can reach that goal if you just find the compromises that take you there instead of exploring the research along the way. Yeah, another uh, another issue, I guess, is uh, related to the complexity of the project. So uh, most of the time, lots of uh, um, data science projects are quite complex. So it requires some type of simplification. So uh, to uh, and usually for, for simplification, we require some domain knowledge, uh, some expert from, from uh, different parts of the, the organization. It's also very important when, uh, when planning a project to have uh, both data scientists expert in the data science domain, also uh, expert and uh, uh, someone with domain knowledge from the other part of the uh, organization. That that's, is really important because there would be a lot of misunderstanding later from the business goal and, and, and target uh, with the data science uh, uh, people, uh, data engineer, data scientist. So so this to, to avoid this type of uh, um, um, misunderstanding, I guess it is very important to have uh, uh, kind of like a very close um, um, collaboration in, in defining the, the projects and, and also defining some targets, KPIs to, to evaluate uh, the, uh, the project. Perfect. Thanks for that question, Matthias. Frida, can you tell me about, a little bit about your question and uh, some context regarding it? Yes, uh, I am wondering sort of the ultimate definition or composition or scoping of a data science team uh, competence-wise. What competences and what parts of the delivery chain should they cover? Um, the reason behind asking this question is I've been working with sort of pure data scientist expert teams where all have been PhDs in some computational field and I have been working with cross-functional teams with uh, self-sufficient delivery responsibility. And I find this to be an ultimate dilemma sort of how to make a high performing data science, data science team, because performance is not only about uh, results, it's also about individuals staying, being happy at work and these kind of things, and then keep contributing. So I would like to hear your guys take on that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question that, um... Like, of course, heavily depends on what is the goal of the, the data science functionality at the company. Like, is it a matrix organization where data scientists work towards business units and the only thing that the data scientists share is like knowledge sharing and methods and, and so on? Or is it a team that actually has like a, a mission to solve something and own something more like a product, product um, team? Uh, and uh, I don't like have a good question, even though like if you if you look at the data science title nowadays, it's so broad, like some people only do like 
machine learning ops and some do only analytics and some do only data engineering. But I, I think I'm, I'm a more like classical um, data science person that looks on like a data scientist do modeling and some programming and analytics and not the other parts in the in the data science chain. So more like having a maybe matrix um, matrix idea of what a data scientist should do and and um, and the limitations of orbit. So disregarding like DevOps, MLOps, data engineering, that's not part of a data scientist. Of course, this is like open for for um, uh, whatever interpretation one has, but that's my idea. Yeah, Piggy, piggybacking on uh, Matthias' point, uh, I, I do see that uh, there are a lot of uh, buzzwords uh, nowadays, right? So, in, in my view, I don't know, maybe maybe because when I started, data scientist was, was the first term coined for uh, for this specific data exercise, or maybe data, data analyst was the first one, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, the way I see it is data scientist is kind of like the more generalist uh, type of uh, function in, in, in terms of comparing with a uh, machine learning engineer uh, or even data analyst, uh, for example. Uh, and in my view and in my opinion, I think it depends a lot on the industry and the size of the company that this person is actually working for. So I started my career working in a huge bank with 90,000 people. There, you just do one specific thing, right? You just, uh, I don't know, you, you extracted the data, you train the model, and that, and, and that was it. And then someone else would actually deploy the model for you, put in production, collect the variables, uh, serve the data, and so on. So, and even do the monitoring and all that. Uh, you, you even have another team, actually, department, to actually build the, the policy and do the analysis over your model. You also have a validation department. Well, anyway, long story short, it's a huge organization. So, as 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 it grows, like as the organization grows, your functions usually gets narrow, narrows down to specific uh, responsibilities and activities. Right. At the same time, now I work in a company with two hundred people. It's completely different. So the data scientists are actually understanding. Of course, of course, there are people in the business that support supports them and, and gives advice and explain how the product works and which data, for example, they could consume. But ultimately, they are the ones that actually go there, extract the data. Uh, do the data uh, uh, handling and, and actually do an EDA and so on and so forth, train the models, put the models in production, and then they just get the help of software engineers to, to, uh, to, to, to integrate the model in the decision engine. Right? So, long story short, I think it depends. <laughs> but uh, overall, I would say responsible for developing, implementing machine learning models, Doing analysis, reports, graphs, right? It can vary a lot depending on the team, but uh, I would expect that a data scientist would be able to do any of the tasks that I just described or, or mentioned here. That's my view. Um, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, you you mentioned a lot of uh, um, part of uh, the the question, but I I will add uh, something uh, based on my experience. Um, so it. it as you mentioned, it depends on on, on the, the 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 size of the team, the company, the the business, and it might be data analytics or, or you want to deploy an AI app in production. So like two different types of uh, uh, direction. Uh, but in general, it seems that uh, uh, we we need it, uh, uh, and also it's it's not easy to have a kind of like. A, 
um, sharp boundary between data engineer, data scientists, uh, and, and other people. So we we basically have kind of an overlap of skills between different peoples. We usually said we we need uh, people with uh, T-shaped skills. So in some area they are quite uh, deep and uh, skillful, but they also have some uh, general understanding, some general skills in, in other areas as well. So. It, yes, it, it depends. It depends on, on the scenario. It depends on the size of the team. It depends on, on, on the problem that you want to solve. Sometimes the data engineering task is more heavy. Sometimes the data science task is, is more. So yeah, it it's all depends on, on the scenario and, and, and the, the, the project. So interesting that the answers all are, it depends. Uh, because that as well, and, uh, and why I asked the question. Because I find that these kind of teams that actually have a product and, and deliver, coming back to the previous question, then you have the interaction with stakeholders, you get the alignment with strategy because you get sort of some of the agile methodologies and, uh, and development, whilst the specialist data science teams might perform higher in one sense, uh, but they also uh, geek out a lot on uh, on uh, mathematical topics as well which might not always be the business need but it might also spark innovations that is not possible if you need to maintain a product so it is a really uh, challenging um, dilemma to solve uh, and i think it's good if you can have both um, both components in your role as a data scientist and not only work with uh, MLOps 90% uh, of the time, but not only do uh, innovation borderline research in a, co a company setting either. I think it's good to have both. Uh, that's my reflection. But it's, uh, I think when data scientists were uh, announced in the beginning when the title was formed, it was sort of a unicorn that could do everything from API development to, to data engineering and what we found is that there are, of course, these individuals, but there are very few unicorns. And I think sort of to give people reasonable expectations of what they do at work, we have to allow for a narrower set of skills per individual and let the skills uh, sort of sit with the team, the complete uh, range of the skills. Yeah, so I, I, have a, I have an input also about like the composition of data scientists. A lot of companies now when they have used data science for many years and they are more mature in how to utilize like data people. Uh, I've seen a trend that companies that have the data science title actually uses data scientists for product analytics. And then they have a high retention of, uh, of losing people because data scientists get bored in just doing that you know, um, the thing. So I think when it comes to definition, composition and like scoping of a data science team, it's important to like, okay, what is the functional value and how do we actually keep people um, being interested, working on fun products um, and getting deeper in the same t at the same time. Uh, so I think that's very, very important to, to discuss these questions and, and be open and transparent with, with everyone in the org and the team about it. Yeah, one thing that uh, I observed uh, uh, is kind of very, uh, uh, I don't know, vital for many data science team in many fields uh, is that we we need to somehow acquire the domain knowledge when we are uh, building model, we are doing some analysis. It's uh, some areas is quite critical to get some uh, this type of domain knowledge, and and uh, I don't know which approach would be the best, but we 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 need to look for. 
yeah, somehow to 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 get uh, more um, yeah, knowledge about the the product, the, the business, and uh, about the company maybe. Uh, so that's, I guess, is a missing uh, in many um, data science teams. I mean, we, they, we, we have been struggling to get uh, some domain knowledge uh, during my career in different places. That was really um, tough for, for us. Yeah, just uh, to add up to what uh, Frida and Reza just said, but I do think that, yes, there was this, um, let's say, definition of a data scientist being a unicorn, so I agree, like, it's hard to find someone that has the domain knowledge, also all the, the, the tech stack knowledge, plus the statistics uh, background, plus uh, a bit of software engineering, we could even say, like depending on how much you're, you're actually expecting from the person. So I do think we should have uh, real expect expectations or realistic expectations over people. Uh, but ultimately what I would expect is that they have at least like some some knowledge in all of those fronts, uh, the bare minimum to at least like uh, be able to go after it and learn if they have to, uh, depending on what they are working for and which project they are they're tackling. Perfect. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that question, Frida. Lucas, can you tell me a little bit about your question and give some context surrounding it? Sure, sure. Uh, just like Frida said, uh, it depends. So. Her question received a lot of uh, subjective answers, so I'm going to throw my question just to follow up the trend. Uh, how do you how do you effectively measure individual performance within a, within a data science team? Right. So I'm throwing up this question because I do think that this this one is it, it is subjective and it is quite hard to actually uh, answer it. And and also I'm pretty sure that there is no single answer to it uh, either. So. Yeah, so I think individual performance in general is uh, li likewise like the strategy question and, and within software development and where you have agile teams or whatever, it's really hard to measure um, quantitatively. Um, and I, I think sort of that's then the, the special skill of the pe person being a manager is actually one of the skills is being able to assess individual performance in a team setting. And I would say there's no like magic bullet of doing this. Uh, but it is, um, for example, being a present manager and 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 see how the team performs, and then by having like one-on-ones with team members where you set goals, follow them up, uh, and work. Um, but I don't think you should set goals on individuals in these kind of team settings. I think you set the goals on the team and then discuss with the team members how they contribute to the goals in their sort of development talks and and these kind of things. And in my experience. That's that's all that's needed to assess individual performance, but it is hard because it's not university where you get the grade, and then when you come to salary conversation, it can come become a bit intangible. Um, but but it is a challenge. But I think the KPIs and goals that you should look at is the team ones, and you can use um, like regular software development, like lead time, change, failure rate, uh, predictability, deployment frequency, and these kind of uh, things. And the data science teams, you could also look at model performance. Team happiness is probably a very good indicator to see if the team members are happy with each other, or, or then members are most likely performing all of them. And if you have a problem with team happiness, then you probably need to dig deeper. And there's always multiple um, perspectives on it. So it's even if one individual is supposed to be a problem, that's usually not all only that individual that is the root cause, I would say. So there's a lot of things about 
the, the skills of management, I think, in assessing individual performance. That's my take on it. Um, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's really hard. Uh, we know that. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, I guess first of all, uh, probably we can identify um, different roles in a team. So data science roles and the data engineering are different roles. So we, we can ident identify the expectation and some type of responsibility for the teams and um, try to find some type of KPI or metric to evaluate, which I know is, is very difficult. Uh, such uh, KPI might be, I don't know, the number of projects that delivered the, during uh, the year. But of course, it might be some project very, very complex, some project where it might be very easy. Um, and the quality of the, the, um, uh, the project also would be different. So it's not easy to, to define a, a, a crystal clear metric. Uh, but we could have some type of this type of metrics, for instance. But something else that I am also I'm thinking is that there are some some uh, besides the the skills that everyone has that is okay valuable. But we also have some hidden skills in some person, different persons. So some people are quite good at uh, problem solving. So this skill you cannot measure it, right? So it may happen during uh, the project. Uh, so they they come up some idea and then they simplify the project. And then, but it may not be easy to to um, to um, to evaluate this type of skills, for instance. Um, uh, and also, I guess it's also possible to get some type of feedback from different peoples in the team, from stakeholders, for instance. And um, uh, after all, you need to make a decision, right? So uh, it, it may not be still it may not be easy so it might be also some level of subjectivity in, in your decision as well uh, but having a, um, a, 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 like a clear communication and um, discussion with everyone in the uh, sync meeting for instance might be uh, a good way to to understand uh, um, yeah, the situation better for instance yeah i, I guess it's, it's not easy to <laughs> to answer this question yeah and I think, as you say, Frida, like the manager's role in being subjective in like assessing the team's team members, like when it comes to individual performance, it is on that person, right? It's not like trying to decide how well a team works. It's more like what's the individual performance, and then it, it is absolutely uh, on on the manager. Uh, but I like one thing I, I've read that like uh, a really good data scientist, and maybe this comes from like academic research, but it's one that really like it's the one that believes least in their own solution they really want to prove for themselves that they are you know on the right path that they actually have like the correct um results of, of what's actually happening and in the same way uh i do like making people accountable and feeling you know the responsibility of their own work uh, and if they really feel accountability over their own work they will also you know go that extra mile in order to prove for themselves that they actually done good work and then it is more like easier to be subjective and and you know evaluate and on a qualitative level like if that's actually true or not because as as you say Risa, between like quant quantitative metrics now now like how twitter did uh, the the layoffs last year with like counting the number of commits for software engineers of course that's an effective way of you know drop a lot of people but is it the optimal way is it humane i don't know um 
so yeah, my, my, my two cents is to, to try to make people accountable in a positive way over their own work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as Matthias was saying, I think measuring the performance of someone just based on the number of commits that this person actually does, it's kind of nonsense, right, in my view. It could also be that the person is just uh, pushing, pushing, pushing cold and then uh, actually refactoring afterwards or fixing bugs that they they even create by themselves or by mistake because they're coding too fast or whatever. So totally agree that doesn't make, really make much sense. So I think my answer resonates a bit with uh, everything that he, the three of you said. Uh, overall, it's it's really hard to measure people's performance uh, and, and even worse to compare them, right? But uh, in the end, we sometimes we have to, to kind of compare them to actually take a decision of who we're going to promote, for example. If you have a budget limitation that you can only promote three out of 10 people, uh, you're going to have to find out how you're going to compare them and which one you're going to say, yeah, this person deserves more than this other one uh, based on their deliverables, based on their contribution on a daily basis and, and so on and so forth. I, I see like quantitative, quantitative uh, and qualitative uh, metrics and I do, and I usually ended up using more of the, the latter because it's just um, too hard to actually quantitatively measure someone based on, for example, the project, the, the impact of the project that this person worked uh, worked with. But it could also be that the other person worked in another project because that was the project that you actually had, and the other person didn't have the, the opportunity to take a project that could have a, a higher impact. So. Yeah, on that on that sense, I would say collaboration, communication, problem solving skills. Really try to to get a, a feeling on how the person is actually working with other with the other individuals from the team. Right? You could also use KPIs and see how this person is committed and accountable for for their work. Just like I think Matthias said, that uh, I really like to, to see this type of behavior. Right, you can tell all about someone when you're actually seeing how they this person is, is behaving and approaching their own project even their own project that's my deal thanks for that lucas and reza could you share your question and give some context surrounding your question yeah sure um so uh, my concern is related to the success rate uh, in, in uh, data science uh, project delivery so uh, during my career i have seen a lot of project fail uh, either in the initial phase or later in the final phase to reach the goal um, and uh, I also saw some uh, reports that around a 70 to 80 percent of the project in data science, they will fail, which is a shocking number, I would say. And around 13 percent of the companies, they have been uh, successfully, they complete the project. So the rest of the company, they have not been able to uh, to complete the project. And uh, we know that if a project fails, uh, it has a negative effect on the individual and the data science team and also in, in the, uh, on the company side as well. So uh, it could be uh, it could uh, decrease the level of the confidence uh, and passion and uh, on the teams and the team performance also. So it, it may also be uh, uh, a ne negative factor for the future project delivery. So um, and I believe there would be some some correlation between the number of uh, people that quit the company and the rate of uh, failure. Um, and because no one wants to put uh, any failed project in their CV, right? Um, and uh, for the 
organization side, okay, it would be also a financial loss, it would be uh, reputation damage, it could be waste of resources and times, and much more. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to know your idea of how um, the failure rate can be decreased and why it happens basically. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a very hard question. Like, uh, but as you say, there is a very high failure rate in data science. Uh, but my like guess would be that it differs a lot depending on the company uh, that uh, that actually utilizes data science. And and in my experience, most data science projects that have failed might have been initiated by people that aren't aware with like the complexity of maybe machine learning and analytics and and the impact that one should create. So if one would actually like analyze projects that fails, uh, a big portion will probably be pretty easy to predict like this has a very high failure rate. But with that said, like even the most easy uh, data science project might fail anyway because of complexity and you know unknowns and and whatever it might be. So it's hard to like demand accountability for specific people working on the projects because uh, we should be open and try to explore and like have an open mindset. Uh, but that's why I think I, I I do think scenario planning is a good way to to mitigate like the failure rate, and then at least you can analyze it in the end, what, what failed and how it failed and, and for what reasons. But um, yeah, with the, with the back, uh, with the, uh, yeah, um, that you might, that, that you might lose uh, the, uh, like the exploratory part and making it a bit more boring, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Reza. I think it's a, it's a real problem, right? And uh, as Matthias is saying, like, there could be several reasons for it, and I'm, I have been in this game for long enough to actually have seen like, and I have seen like so many different types of, uh, of problems happening that actually uh, resulted in the in the failure of the project. But to, to list a few, I guess there was once a um, big team. I guess uh, eight people, eight data scientists were actually working in, in, in different different models, but related to the same product. Huge organization. They spent a year on it. By the end of it, they say, yeah, so we had some change in the business requirements and priorities. Therefore, we're not really going to deploy the models. And they're like, that's insane. You're spending, you're spending so much money that you're paying the salary of a, a huge team with a, a manager and, and eight data scientists, uh, individual contributors there. And in the end, you just archive the project and move on. But that's more common than than uh, than you would expect actually uh, you, you see this uh, over and over happening over and over again uh yeah privacy concerns i have all also actually this happened with my team once we tried to 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 launch and, and launch a product and use a model in, a, in an, another market and then i found out that we actually couldn't use the specific variables that we were using and then we had to go back and yeah, you know the drill right you have to Strike the variables again. Strike the other features and see what how you can have a, a similar model uh, with the same same metrics, but same results and performance, but with different variables, right? Uh, yeah, lack of the main knowledge and so on and so forth. But ultimately, I think it's the nature of the work. Uh, I usually I usually tell people that I usually say that I see data engineering as a more deterministic uh, type of project. So usually you have a project, you have like a this is what you want to do. So you go and you build a data pipeline. Of course, you have the you have the challenges with regards to 
for example, performance, uh, if, if, the, if the pipeline is fast enough with the technology to use and so on and so forth. But data science is way more probabilistic in my view. Uh, whenever you start a project, well, you don't really know if you're going to succeed. Maybe you want to replace an existing model that is live running production. Maybe you're going to make it, maybe you don't, because the model is already good enough and uh, you try to extract new features and you don't really, you can't really outperform the current model. That can happen. You can do all the right things, but it's still fair. So I do, I do see data science as, as way uh, trickier in that sense than, for example, data engineering, right? Uh, usually you can you can have a roadmap for data engineering with steps to follow. I agree. I think uh, unforeseen unknowns summarize it quite well as you both described. Uh, but I think it's expectation management, scoping, data quality, whatever. How to frame it is one of the most common things. Like you were into Matthias, that you sort of set a goal that is unrealistic. You don't even have the data that can support this, but you still want to, uh, you don't have the data science knowledge in sort of the goal setting. And then you say, let's explore it anyway. And can't you do some magic and, and figure it out anyway? And then the data scientists might say, we don't have the data for it, but start working on it anyway, because most people try to do their best and, and solve problems when they're given them. But down the line, it turns out six months later that no, the data was insufficient and, and we couldn't do it. So that, that's one typical failure. But I think also, again, sort of not having cross-functional check-ins throughout. You start out with a goal, but you need to, there are unforeseen unknowns. You need to negotiate either the scope or, or do some compromises. The domain knowledge you spoke about, Reza, that is sometimes lacking and what compromises can you make? to actually still reach the business objective that was specified, even though maybe you take another path than in the beginning. If you're at the midpoint, reach those challenges where it's impossible to proceed the way you set out, you need to regather and renegotiate the goal and how to deliver on the business objective. And if you don't have that opportunity for cross-functional interaction with stakeholders and, and the owners of the business objective, then you might take the wrong turn because there are a number of paths to proceed when you reach those kind of challenges. Uh, also, goals not being business goals, like being, I, I want the model with a certain accuracy for something, but not defining how that model uh, should deliver um, revenue, for example, that will uh, make it fail in the end. Um, so that are, I think, a couple of my uh, lists of, uh, of failure uh, uh, root causes. I think there are a number of them that we could list more. Yeah, great, great points. And uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, most of the uh, uh, reason that you mentioned, I also was, I've been thinking. Uh, and one thing, I guess it's, uh, we should differentiate between the data science project and the other project, for instance, the uh, software app development. Data science project is not a software app development. It's all about the data. So if, if the data that we are collecting is uh, there is no signal or pattern there, we shouldn't expect uh, uh, a good result from there. So we all know this famous quote, the garbage in, garbage out, right? Um, so one is related to the data and also the source of the data we are, um, um, we are uh, collecting. Uh, and uh, and um, in my view and my experience, uh, another part is uh, related to the initial phase of uh, problem definition, as you mentioned. So. Uh, the problem is 
most of the time the business problem is not clearly defined it's very loosely defined so we we want to achieve something but uh, the metric the evaluation and and uh, and the threshold and all of these things are unknown and you try to basically to to um, um, to to reach some numbers during the project and so, uh, so that's a misunderstanding it it happens in most of the time um uh, and uh, i guess a, a quick way uh, or, or um, uh, maybe uh, to to somehow to make sure that the failure um, can decrease is to do some pre-study, pre-feasible study, like using the EDA approach, uh, as uh, Matthias mentioned, uh, to see if we can see any potential uh, in the, the, the data set and, and we can reach uh, um, the, the target, for instance. Um, and um, yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, it's kind of very difficult to answer, I would say. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, uh, Stopping a project at the beginning is much better than okay working and continue for a long time and then later you figure out okay you cannot reach the goal. That's uh, that's my view. And I think also uh, working with sort of what you're going to use it for, as you say, a pre-study, but you could use that um, throughout the project. I mean, the more uncertainties, the more uh, check-ins you should have, or uh, I mean, in, in software, you should deploy it more frequently if, if you have many unknowns and sort of try demo, get uh, get feedback. And that works even in research. I think it works well. People say research problems are so, com uh, so complex, I need six months to think about them. But actually, if you have uh, a fixed sort of cadence of, of presenting your insights, uh, then you have more progress, I think, in, in my experience. So it's the same here. So if you set a goal to predict X, then ask, why are we predicting X? And then look at when is it sufficient uh, rather to, to use for that purpose, rather than working at predicting X and then trying to use it, but actually starting to implement it. It's like working with hardware. Uh, you could start working with the software, even if you don't have a circuit board, uh, but usually you don't start with the software until you have the circuit board. And then you realize, oh, I should have set up my development environment. And there are like these things connected to it. So I think actually working with the results before having the results would have uh, is to me a good mitigation of non uh, of failure in data science uh, i also what would like to add uh, sometimes some projects actually they are not ai project uh, so it, it will be defined as an ai project but if you explore it and then you see it's not an ai project i i have an example that might be interesting to you guys uh, I was working in uh, um, in my previous job in in marketing uh, um, sector. I, I was basically building a marketing mixture model, and tried to use all of this technique in in regression models, cross validation, all of these things to, to come up a very good model in terms of accuracy. But at the end, my manager said, "Okay, the result that you got, they 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 don't make sense." And I said, why it's, uh, it's based on the, the data. I mean, I use the data, I, I didn't do anything. And um, yeah, the manager was saying, okay, you know what? This model is 5% math and statistics and 95% is business understanding. So uh, to, to me, then it's not an AI uh, project. So you basically use um, all of these modeling techniques and in, in statistics to verify your business uh, gut feeling, business understanding. 
which uh, I guess uh, it should be reversed, right? I mean, if you have some, some prior knowledge about something, if you have business understanding, th that should be injected to the model as a prior knowledge. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess uh, sometimes uh, the, the goal and, and uh, the definition of the project um, uh, is, um, uh, I, I guess, it, it's, there are some issue with that. Yeah, that was uh, an, an example of, uh, yeah, my, my experience. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for your questions. But I also have a question for you guys as well. So uh, a data scientist I spoke to earlier today asked me to ask you guys a question. Can you have a high performance data science team if some, if not all, the whole team work fully remote? The reason behind the question is we are seeing fewer fully remote opportunities than what we were than what we had about six months to 12 months ago. Uh, yeah, that's a good que question. Uh, and I think like when in general, when it comes to software engineering and, and data science, there are fully remote teams that do you know execute very well on on being fully remote but as we talked about uh, like how the science projects fail and so on if a company is more like on site based and you have to get that like business understanding of the problems you solve then uh, depending on the on the company you have to be more uh, more more dear and as most companies were you know on site before the pandemic and they still are uh, I guess remote uh, uh, remote opportunities are getting getting less, but um, yeah, I guess this is more like organizational like research. What is the most effective way of doing data science? Um, uh, depending on on the company, but um, I, I think this uh, like is is the same uh, in in most like business roles uh, at at the companies that um, uh, remote work is uh, losing traction as of as of today. Well, working for for a fully remote company, I'm obliged to say yes, right? I mean, I cannot say no, no, that's that's bullshit. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think you can have a high performance, uh, high performing team working remotely. For me, it's all about the work work working agreements that you have. Uh, it's all about the culture that you have in place, and yeah, um, looking at the performance of of people, uh, having a close. Uh, closer look at the uh, individual's performance uh, you should you should try to measure what what these people are, are delivering and try to to get motion and actually collaboration with people even though everyone is working from their own their own homes uh, I do think it's possible but as I said I think you have to you should have a lot of work in terms of uh, establishing a, a, a good cultural rules uh, and, and have all, all of that in place. Again, it depends answer, and I think it's easier in a business that is completely digital, like uh, financial services or, or banks. Uh, we exist in a cyber physical world and our operations are uh, highly physical. So there is a challenge in understanding what you analyze if you have not seen it. If you have not seen parcels sorted in a, in a uh, sorting terminal, it's really hard to try to devise the analytics for what is happening there. Uh, but with that said, I think it's truly possible for a completely remote team. Uh, but I think for our case, I possibly prefer to be hybrid. And I think teams I've seen perform remote, perform 
even better when they have met once or twice physically. So I think there is a, a value to seeing each other in the three-dimensional world at some point, but I don't think you have to be there all the time. And I think you can achieve the same state being completely remote of, of sort of team performance and having each other at arm's length. I saw that uh, happen during the pandemic in a couple of teams I worked, distributed over the world where no one had ever met each other. So I, I surely think it's possible, but it, it's not it's not as easy as when you meet every day uh, in real life. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, it depends. Uh, during pandemic, we had this experience and we observed uh, the performance almost was the same as before pandemic. Uh, and we stayed uh, fully and remotely working from home. But I guess that was an exceptional case. Uh, and uh, uh, for now, I guess maybe kind of hybrid, as Fredo mentioned, probably works better until we would have uh, a full, uh, fully established metaverse platform, for instance. Um, and uh, I, I love to, uh, to, to see my friends, my colleagues have chat and then we can discuss on on board. So these things is not possible, for instance. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess a hybrid uh, probably um, is a better option for now. Before we end our podcast, I'd like to thank everyone for taking the time and sharing their thoughts today. They have been Matthias from Nordnet, Frida from PostNord, Lucas from Tinker, and Reza from Ericsson. Thank you.